0: We're going to go ahead, we're going to jump right into this thing, our next topic we're going to talk about tonight, is sketchy views of God. Zach kicked us off last week, and so, yeah, hopefully that, uh, again, was uh, something you learned from, we were able to apply to your life. And so, just to, just to go back a little bit on some things that Zach shared, the premise of this series is to help believers and non-believers alike answer questions about faith, um, about doubts that they may have. Now, regardless if we want to admit it or not, we all have doubted our faith at times. Um, and so the person here that's been a Christian for, I don't know, 50 years, to the person that's not a Christian at all, you've had doubts that you have had to answer, things that you've had to face, things you've had to deal with. Um, now, here's the deal. If you're, you are a Christian, you identify as a child of God, you give your life to him, man, that's awesome, that's great. Um, if you've doubted, Think about your coworkers, your family, friends, your neighbors that maybe want nothing to do with God. Right? They're not a Christian. No doubt that they've had doubts that maybe have led them to the place where they're like, don't want anything to do with God. And so we want to talk about that throughout this series. And, and here's the deal. Maybe, maybe you're here with us the first time, never been here before, maybe you've come a couple times, and this is you. Um, You have questions about faith. you got questions about God. You're here because maybe a a friend of yours that attends here invited you to service. Just want to throw us out there. That's awesome. That's great. That's what we challenge all of our people to do. But you've got questions. You've got questions about Christianity and God and the Bible. And just want to throw this out there. You don't have the answer to those. Just want to say this, okay? That's a good thing. It is a good thing that you have questions. Maybe you got questions about creation. You got questions about this claimed Messiah named Jesus who came to this earth over 2000 years ago, was dead for three days, then rose up again. You got questions. You got questions about believing in God. And part of it, you're like, okay, I can kind of see that, but I, I've got my own doubts. But then the flip side of that is you understand that there has to be a higher power that spoke this world to existence. I mean, the beauty of creation tells us that there is a God, Romans 1 tells us. I mean, you know that there has to be a God, a higher power of some sort, because people, right, I mean, we're made uniquely from all other creation. And so you get, you understand that it is not by an accident that a couple things collided and bam, this world came into existence. So you've got doubts and you've got struggles. You're kind of like in between, last week Zach mentioned this, you got doubts about Jesus and about God, but then the flip side of that, a world without God doesn't seem to make sense either. See, it's normal to have doubts and questions. It's normal to have doubts and questions about our faith, God, the church, Christianity, the Bible. See, doubts happen when faith encounters a real world. Doubts happen when faith encounters a real world. Now, Again, it's a good thing to have real questions about your faith because real questions typically push us to examine, right, to try to find answers to those questions. And so that's our goal in the series. So here's the deal. If you're a Christian, um, just throwing this out there, you shouldn't have blind faith, right? I mean, I think that if you're a Christian, you get that. Uh, Blind faith is, is pretty much just this. You guys probably know, but it's essentially believing something Without any support or evidence. Believe in something with no support or evidence. I mean, here's the deal, guys. We need to be prepared to answer why we believe what we believe, whether that's for ourselves or whether that's for talking with people that aren't Christians or fellowship with them. I mean, there's all kinds of different reasons why we need to know what we believe. I mean, it shouldn't be, we shouldn't have blind faith and be like, okay, hey, it's, uh, it's because, man, I was raised as a Christian, so I'm a Christian. That's a lousy excuse if you're a Christian, well, I had this Sunday school teacher that I looked up to a lot, and uh, man, I want to be a Christian because they were. Or maybe you're like, man, I, I think, man, I want to be a Christian because our band, man, we have an awesome band at Grace Community Church, and uh, man, that's why I believe what I believe. Or this is what maybe I've just always believed. Well, you've not always believed, right? There's had to been a point in your life you can point back to and specifically remember Asking Christ to come into your heart and to save you from your sin. You see, those are all examples. There's many more of blind faith. That's not why we have faith. You see, it is dangerous to have untested and unquestioned faith. This kind of faith typically leads to that individual walking away from the faith. Which 1 John tells us this, that if they do that, that just means this, they were never a Christian in the first place. They were never Christian in the first place. Now, a big part of really this whole issue is that we usually have a preconceived expectation of who we think God should be to me. See, what ends up happening, many people claim to be Christians, they follow the faith, right? And for reasons that have nothing to do with God or real faith, they walk away. See, And in reality, and Zach hammered this point home last week, that God, he doesn't exist. It's a God that we've like, we've made up in our mind. And Zach mentioned this last week too. He said, hey, we are glad if you walked away from that kind of faith, one that was made up in your head about God, then we're glad that you walked away from that kind of faith because that God never existed in the first place. You walked away because you had the wrong God. You just didn't realize it. So in this series, that's what we're going to be looking at, some common misconceptions that maybe we've been told about God, that just when it comes to God and who he is is not true. And so last week, Zach kicked us off, and we looked at the idea of how God is a, quote, unquote, bodyguard God, meaning, man, he's not going to let anything bad happen to us. He'll prevent everything. If he's really a good, gracious, loving God, he should not let bad things happen to me. Which, one of those out there, it's a good question to wrestle with. We answer that ultimately by ending in Romans 8, 28, where it tells us that God can work his good in everything, even the bad, to ultimately bring him or bring people closer to him. And he often does that. But here's the deal. What we have to get with that is this. He never promised, never has he ever promised that he wouldn't allow pain. He never promised are a lot of struggle and suffering. I mean, what do you do with the book of Job? If that was true, we got to throw the book of Job out. I mean, a lot of times when we face things like that, difficult things, God uses that to connect us to other people that are not believers so we'll share our faith with them. Or maybe to strengthen another Christian that's going through something similar. That was last week. This week, sketchy view of God, we're going to look at is we're going to call it, um, we're going to call it, the boyfriend God, or the girlfriend God. All right, and what I mean by that is this. That is, the God that's presence is always felt. The feelings God. I've got to feel him to know that he's there, or else he's not there. Okay, that's, that's not true. We're going to unpack that. All right, now, I'm going to ask you guys three questions here, and what I'd like is uh, you guys raise your hand. I'll ask on the first two, um, if it applies to you. If it doesn't. That's fine, all right? Don't raise your hand. But on the third one, don't raise your hand. I'm just going to ask you a question to think about, all right? All right, so here's the deal. Um, how many of you guys would say at some point in your life you have felt the presence of God? Just raise your hand. Okay, right, like every hand's pretty much up. Okay, all right. Um, now, how many of you guys would say that today, maybe during the worship songs or whatever, that you felt the presence of God? Okay? Okay. All right, I want to say this real quick. I, I appreciate the honesty. All right, some of you guys, some of you didn't raise, your, quite a few guys didn't raise your hand, which is good. We're going to talk about that. Now, my question to you that, you know, it said, hey, I felt the presence of God before my life, which was everyone in here pretty much. How do you know? How do you know? So I'm just about in your mind, but how do you know you felt the presence of God? See, here's the deal. Maybe, I don't know, maybe you cried or shed a tear today or you have in your life in the past. I know I have. Uh, just think about the goodness of God, right? Think about what he did on the cross was specifically for you, your sin debt, and really your eternity. I mean, so maybe you thought about it today and you shed a tear. You thought about how good God has been and how he's blessed you and what he's maybe brought you through, how he's been faithful, and, and it caused you to shed a tear. Maybe you got something chaotic going on in life right now that you just, it's difficult. And there is a peace that you just can't explain in your life right now. It is, there's a feeling of peace. You don't get it, but there's a peace there that's from God. And you would say, well, that's God's presence. Or another way, maybe you felt a tingly feeling sometime, right? Or goosebumps just moved. Maybe you listen to a song or reading the word or praying, and you just felt moved by God and his power. Because here's the deal God's presence can be all those things and many more. Just want to throw this out there, okay? It can be all those things and many more. God's presence can give you a tingling feeling and goosebumps. But to all my TU and Heidelberg guys out there, so can sitting by a smoking hot girl that's way out of your league. I mean, like, that's just the truth, right? God's presence can move you to tears. You can think about all that God has done, what he's done for you, and it can move you to tears. But let's get real. So can an inspirational moment in a movie. Or, I mean, maybe you guys have ever seen this before. Um, like, when I thought, when I was, like, going through this, I was thinking, man, what's an impactful, like, I don't know, something that's, like, done this to me, right, caused me to shed a few tears. I think, or get emotional, right, I think about, like, the guys that, you know, in the military, they're fighting overseas, and they surprise their families coming home, like, Early from deployment, yeah, yeah, you guys know where I'm going, right? Okay, all right, well, rather than talk about it, I just want to show you guys a few of those, so go ahead, guys, play it on the, on the screens. All right, I want to throw this out there. Zach, I think he's back in the atrium. He's got boxes of tissues, so I saw like four or five of you guys crying just on this side alone. So uh, it worked! All right, here's the deal. When it comes to like something like that, right we watch it and we feel something that moves us, right? We're excited for the families, obviously reuniting. We know the sacrifice that those guys go through. And so or for some reason or another, we feel something inside of us, an emotion that stirs us up to shed a few tears. And the same, or we can have the same reaction when we meet God or we feel God's presence. In our life, it causes us, brings a reaction that causes us to shed a few tears and to cry. But here's the deal: just because we don't feel those things, that tingly feeling, shedding a tear, crying, right? A peaceful feeling that we don't understand, it does not mean that God isn't present. If you didn't feel God's presence today, I mean, was it was it God? I mean, I don't know, was it was it God? Was it you? Or I was like, blame, blame himself on the worship leader. Maybe it was Blaine, right? He's not saying your favorite worship song in a month. And so, man, just like, you sit there, you sing the song, that last song, Liberty. You're like, what in the world is this about? You know, it's not feeling it, right? Now, here's the deal. If you have ever felt like God's presence is not close, I have great news for you. You're in good company. Because I'm going to share with you guys a, a, a list of, of these leaders in the Bible that multiple times in their life, and not just for like a day, like weeks, months, years, they felt, they, I'm sorry, they didn't feel God's presence close to them. Guys like Job, Joseph, Elijah, David, Paul, and I could continue and go on and on and on, but different times in their life, they did not feel God's presence, and they struggled with that. Paul, the greatest missionary of all times, hands down. He felt distance from God. And he actually says he felt, he felt despaired of life itself in 2 Corinthians 1, verse number 8. And no doubt, he had moments in his life that he didn't feel God. I mean, he was in prison multiple times. He was beaten. He was on house arrest by himself, isolated from all of his friends and family. And based off what he says in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and the book of Philippians, he had multiple moments, and not just a day or two here and there, but months and years, that he did not feel God's presence. But he knew that God wasn't there. David, we're going to talk about him today. One of the godliest kings in Israel's history. Jesus Christ came from his lineage, from his line. He's known as the man for God's own heart. He killed Goliath because Goliath was mocking the true living God. And he wrote many, many psalms that talk about this idea of not feeling God and struggling with that, not feeling God's presence in life. He wants it, but he's not feeling it. I guess what I'm trying to say this morning is, not feeling God, it may be more normal than what you think. I'd also say maybe someone has given you the sketchy view of God, claiming, hey, that we should feel his presence in every worship song after we're a Christian, and every time we open our Bible, every time we pray, and I'm just here to tell you guys, that's false. And we know that based off of some truths we're going to talk about Scripture today. But also, think about these guys, this list of guys, five or six great leaders of the faith. They experienced it. What makes you think, in Tiffin, Ohio, in 2023, that it's going to be different for you? Sometimes we feel God, and just to be honest, sometimes we don't. But one thing we have to be make sure of, and one thing we have to understand is... And God isn't a feeling. He's not limited to being felt by us. There's a verse in James 4.8. It says, draw near to God or draw close to God, and he'll draw near to you. Now, that verse does not say, that's a promise, by the way, draw near to God, draw close to him, he'll draw close to you. That verse does not say, draw close to God when you feel him, and then he'll draw near to you. That's not what the verse says. It says regardless of how chaotic, how messed up life is, regardless if you can't feel them or not, here's your promise. Ready? Draw close to God, and he will draw close to you. But here's the deal. Do we honestly believe that? Some questions you may have that come from your mind. You might not be a Christian. You're like, hey, I don't even know if God's real. He doesn't care what I'm faced with right now. Or maybe you're a Christian you're like, God, I've talked to you before and I still feel you. Are you there? Like, give me something. Like, are you there? I can't feel anything. I just can't tell right now with what's going on in life. And I've tried and tried to try to feel your presence and I just can't feel it. So you're looking for something that's off, guys. You're looking for something that's super spiritual, all inspiring. Which, here's the deal, the presence of God can be those things. But it's not... Always that. So we're going to look at David and how he dealt with not feeling God's presence. Now I want to throw this out there. We are actually, I'm, getting, I'm excited for this. We're getting ready to do a big series here in a couple weeks on the life of David. So we're not going to like dig in super deep tonight. We're just going to look at this one psalm that he wrote and kind of go from there. All right, so we're going to be in Psalm 22. The first couple of verses, here's what it says. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and from my words of groaning? My God, I cry by day, but you don't answer. And by night, yet I have no rest. See, I think we can see David's struggle with not feeling the presence of God based off of the first line that he uses in the verse. He says, my God, my God, why why have you abandoned me? Then he goes on a little bit later in the second verse. He says, I cry by day, but you don't answer. I mean, we've all been here before in our life, no doubt. David, he's in the middle of something we don't really 100%, we don't really 100% sure know what it's, what's going on, what he's talking about, but he's in the middle of something that is, it's a struggle to deal with. It's difficult. It's hard. And he wants to feel God's presence, which isn't a bad thing, but he wants to feel God's presence. Now, I'll be honest with you guys. I've read my Bible in the last two weeks and felt absolutely nothing. I've prayed and felt nothing. Listen to worship songs and felt nothing. I have sang worship, right, with, with people that it's like, man, they're, they're raising their hands during the moment. They're shedding a tear, and they're singing at the top of their lungs. And I'm by them, and I'm like, man, whatever they got, I don't have it. See, David, he writes this psalm, Psalm 22, and he, he gets that. He's like, man, I, I, I'm struggling with finding the presence of God. I want, I, want to, I want to feel it. It's not that God wasn't present. It was the fact that he wanted to feel it. Like often we do. We crave that. God's not answering him. He feels nothing from God. Whatever this issue is that David is faced with, it's something that's too heavy for him. Now think about this. This is like David is an all-star follower God. I mean, he did so much for God. And you would think... Because of all that David did and who he is as a great leader of Israel, as great king, you would think if God is really good, which he is, by the way, but if God was good, he would at least let David feel his presence, and he would answer him. Right? End of verse number two, what does it say? God doesn't answer. He doesn't answer, and David, has, he can't find any rest. Have you ever felt like that before? A tragedy hits, a spouse leaves you. A loved one dies, a friend dies, you lose your job, bad report from the doctor, some tragedy hits you in the heart and you pray and you pray and you pray and you read the Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. You try to listen to worship songs and you just can't feel anything from God. Nothing. Get transparent with you guys for a second if that's all right. I can go back to a time in my life about six years ago um, what I would consider the biggest tragedy so far in my life, and m- my parents got a divorce. And I remember, as my parents were going through this, I did exactly <laughs> what I said for months. Months went on. I prayed, read my Bible, right, tried to listen to worship songs, and I'm like, God, I gotta just want to feel Your presence. And guys, I felt nothing, and it it was a struggle. And I think sometimes we need to remind ourselves of this. It's good to have that struggle. Because often what happens is when we struggle through something like that, it causes us as believers to go deeper in our relationship with God. Now, can I tell you that after months of praying about my parents' divorce, everything got worked out? No, they got divorced. Can I tell you that I had this awe-inspiring, supernatural feeling where God came down in the middle of me reading my Bible one day? No. But one thing I can tell you that did happen is this. God's presence was in his word. The truth of God always supersedes or trumps our feelings. And that's what comforted me. That's what I had to turn to, what I had to rely on. See, just because he does not answer us or answer how we feel or we just can't feel him, it does not mean that he doesn't care or he's not present. See, in these moments, we need to be like David, And rely on truth, not your feelings. Now, it's going to be a hard thing for us to kind of understand. And so I want to try to, like, simplify it. And I'm going to to tell you guys, do not, for the sake of your relationship with your spouse, do not raise your hand for this next question I'm going to ask, okay? We good. Okay, I don't want to have to do marriage counseling right after this, all right? So, you ever felt, this is going to be tough, you ever felt like not being married before, you're like, whoa, whoa, AJ, come on now. Don't lie to yourself, all right? Don't lie to yourself. You know how it is. You get in a fight, you get in an argument, and you're like, that person just, man, she or he ticked me off so much, I don't want to be with them anymore. Now, real quick, is, is there any truth to that? You, you may have felt that. You may have felt like in the moment uh, of not being married because of this fight that you got into, but those feelings, they just all of a sudden mean, like, suddenly that you are not married anymore. No, right? See, the marriage license tells us that you're married. The pastor or preacher, when he declared it at the altar and said, I now present to you Mr. and Mrs. so-and-so, right? That tells us, that gives us evidence that you are married regardless of how you feel. And David in the middle of feeling nothing from god he does something that we all should do he relies on truth in his first two words he says this he says my god which i absolutely love because it's before he gets to the problem the first two words of the psalm what does he say my god he recognizes that regardless of the problem that god is the solution my god He shows his relationship to God. And then he repeats it. He says, my God, my God, showing his dependence on God. Even though he's cried day and night, even though he's struggling not feeling God's presence, he recognizes that God is the answer. And then he goes on. He says this, verse number three five. He says, but you are holy, enthroned on the praise of Israel. Our ancestors, they trusted in you. They trusted and you rescued them. They cried to you. And you were set free. They trusted in you and were not disgraced. See, he gives a couple specific truths of God that trump again any feeling that we can have. He gives a truth of God's holiness and he focuses on that, but he also gives a truth of how God has been faithful in the past. He will continue to be faithful to him. You see, talking about God's holiness, we would be wrong to demand a holy God to make his presence felt to us. I mean, we're sinners to the worst extent. God, he is completely opposite of us with no sin, which makes him holy. He is unrivaled in his holiness. But because of his love for us, he makes a way that we can enter a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. So when we feel abandoned, we can't feel God, we need to rely on the truth of what God's word says. And that is that God's holiness, it has granted us access to him through the blood of his son, Jesus but then he points back at God's faithfulness to his people. David, he reminds himself that just as God was faithful back then with the Israelite people, he will be faithful forevermore. Multiple times in the Old Testament, God's people they were under pressure. Different times they were enslaved, like to the Egyptians. I mean, facing difficult things. They went through enemies that surrounded them and tried to take over them. And, and what happened? People called on God. And God saved them. And this helped David as he's struggling with feeling distant from God. I'm sure, I mean, he probably got a scroll as he's writing Psalm 22 and maybe he's shedding a few tears. He probably got a scroll opened up and and looked and read and and reminded himself, man, God, you've been faithful to the Israelites years before. You've been faithful to these other followers of God. God, be faithful to me. You see, it's easy for us to worry that hey, maybe, just, just maybe, this will be the instance when, when God forgets to be faithful to me, like He's been faithful all through the Bible and to many Christians, but I mean, I don't know if He's going to be faithful to me, and we forget the different times He's come through, not just in the scriptures, but also in our life as well. See, we can hold to the promises of God. We can hold to those. and we can see how God, multiple times, when we back, has been faithful. I mean, how has he been faithful? Something to consider when we're faced with this is, man, how has God been faithful in my life? Even if it was the only example you can give as a Christian is, hey, man, God was faithful to save me. Man, that, that's the greatest thing. That is the greatest thing we can thank God for being faithful to us. See, when we can't feel God, some other things we can focus on, not just his holiness and his faithfulness. Let's go through these really quickly. But First John four sixteen gives us some truths about God. It says that God is love and he loves you. James 5.11 says that God is merciful. Ephesians 1.7 says that God is forgiving. See, feelings can be a good indicator of things in life, but they can also take us out of reality. They can even lie to us at times. I heard it said just literally just yesterday like this. Feelings are great indicators, but terrible navigators. They can give us a hint that, hey, maybe there's something that is off. But we cannot run to our feelings for the answer of getting those things fixed. The answer is this. The answer is the truth. So next time you just can't feel God, and focus on the truth of what God shares about you and his people. Go to his word. So not only do we rely on truth over feelings when, again, we can't feel God, but also let truth transform your feelings. Did you know this? Uh, Absolutely nowhere in Scripture does it say that as a Christian, your goal is to feel God's presence. That's found nowhere in Scripture. In fact, what we are told that we're supposed to do as Christians, our goal is this. It's really simple. It's to glorify God in everything that we do. David, man, he pours out his struggle from verses 6 to 21 in chapter 22, and we don't we're not going to go in depth there. You can, you can read that maybe later today. And you can see where he like struggles with this, not feeling God's presence, but then he keeps coming back to the idea of God's holiness and faithfulness through the years. He's being honest with what he's feeling as he's going through the psalm. See, just because we know the truth about God and his gospel doesn't mean we can't be honest about how we feel. and pour out your struggle to God. I mean, let's get, let's get real. Let's get honest. He knows your heart better than you do. I mean, he knows the struggle that you face was better than you do. Be honest. And it's interesting, as you would, if you go through and you read Psalm six to twenty-one, uh, what you'll see is something starts to happen. David, it's like his feelings start to change; they start to get transformed. He cries out to God, but then the truth transforms those feelings. He goes from lamenting God's absence to now proclaiming His presence. He goes from doubt and despair to surety and praise, and then he. He ends it up with this. Check out what it says, verse 22. He says, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you in the assembly. He did not hide his face from him. That is, he didn't hide his face from the afflicted, but listened when he cried to him for help. You see, he shifts the focus. He goes from feeling down and not feeling God's presence to just simply focusing on proclaiming the truth of God's word to himself and to the people that he's with. The psalmist, he encourages the community of believers and himself to praise God. They, shouldn't, they should stand in all of who he is and what he's done. And it's like he kicks back the first couple of verses where he said, oh, my God, oh my God, you've abandoned me. It's like he's saying, hold on, like that, hold on. That was me speaking a raw emotion. He's going, hold on, man. God did not forsake me. He did not forsake me. See, God, he heard the psalmist cry and he responds. As we remember God's truth, our feelings, they will be increasingly transformed by it. God's holiness and his faithful deliverance, it far transcends our fleeting emotions and the different circumstances in life. See, we can choose to rehearse these truths when God seems far away, to praise him even when we can't feel him. Now, let's just think about this. What if every time that David got ready to write a psalm, What if, maybe let's just say that he was feeling God's presence in verse 1, okay? He writes down the first part of the letter, the first part of the the song or the prayer. And what if, just right in the middle of that, he doesn't feel anything from God? And he just decides, oh, don't feel anything, puts the pen down. How many psalms, because a lot of his psalms talk about this, how many of them would not be in there? How many of those moments that are impactful where he, he's honest in Psalm 22 and he's like, listen, this is tough. I don't feel God's presence. God, where are you? I mean, what if those weren't in there? See, Psalms have gone on to help many people when they don't feel God, when they're struggling in life. So here's the deal. If you are a believer, maybe that's you today, you cannot feel God's presence. It's just like you've, you've tried praying, you've tried worshiping, you tried getting into Again, the Bible, and it's just you can't feel anything. Well, my question to you is this Does God ever require us to feel his presence to worship him? We would say no. James 4 8, we said this at the beginning of the message. Draw close to God, draw near to God, and he will draw near or close to you. That's a promise. You see, God doesn't depend on your feelings to be faithful which is great news, okay? If he did, we would all be in a world of hurt. We would be in trouble. David's like, man, this repeats really what John's forty-eight is saying. I got to draw close to God and he'll draw close to me. Forget if I don't feel him. Forget if he seems distant. I got to draw close to God and he'll draw close to me. Maybe you're in here and you are, I mean, you're not a Christian. And maybe you're like, AJ, okay, I can get on board with pretty much everything about Jesus. And I want to make that decision today, but... I don't know, man. I don't know if it's the right timing. Um, I feel like maybe I should do something else or I should be a better Christian or I feel like maybe I should just have this, this feeling that causes me to have an emotional moment of tears. Again, what does the truth of God's word say? Set the feelings aside. It says this. It says that Jesus died for you. And one my favorite verse in the entire Bible, Romans 5.8. God proves or demonstrates, some virgins say, his own love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And put your name in that spot, right? Take out us and put your name in. Christ died for AJ. And he did it all in the name of love. Forget the feelings, guys. It doesn't say anywhere, it talks about salvation, that a condition for salvation is that you feel God. It doesn't say that anywhere. Condition for salvation is this, is that you understand your sin, you believe the only way to heaven is through trusting what Jesus Christ did on the cross was for your sin, and asking him to come in your heart and save you. That's it. Take the feelings out. What does the truth of God's word say? It's that simple. Now here's the deal. In John six, there's a group of people, they, they wanted a sign to prove that Jesus was the Messiah, He said he was. And so he gives them a sign. John 6, first few verses, tells us that he had 5,000 people. They were all hungry. And so he does a miracle, and uh, he turns five loaves of bread, two fish, into over 5,000 meals. There's so many that there's plenty left over, right, baskets left over. I mean, pretty good sign, I would say, to show that he is the Messiah, the Son of God. But later in the chapter, (laughs) the people want another sign. They're like, well, that was a few days ago. Jesus, we want another sign to prove that you are the Messiah. And and my question to them and to you would be this. How much evidence do you need? How how much evidence do you need? What more evidence could you need right here, Tiffin 2023, than truth? The truth tells us this. Jesus loves you. He died in your place, so you can have a relationship with him. After today, man, I hope that we can go away really remembering that truth is always greater than feelings. Feelings, yes, they can be helpful, but the only truth that can set us free is the truth of God and what he did for us and how he made a way for you to have a relationship with him. That's not a sketchy view of God, church. That's a true view of God. Let's pray. Our God, thanks for letting us have this the time this morning, we can open up your word as a church and sit down for 35, 40 minutes and we can learn from the scriptures. God, thanks for really just the truth that is packed in the Bible. And, and when we don't feel you, God, we can relate to what the psalmist says. We can, we can relate to the feeling of being abandoned. But then, God, I'm so thankful that the psalmist reminds and encourages every single person that is a believer that, God, you've never left us. God, we can feel a lot of things in life, and those feelings, they can lie to us. Our emotions can lie to us. But, God, the truth is that you loved us. The truth is, God, that you are present in our life as believers, even if we feel you or not. I we thank you for that promise. We ask this in your son.